Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. This is where we discuss vet-centric topics, the good, the bad, and the ugly, in the hope that listeners will better understand our veterans, our veterans will know they're not alone, and perhaps along the way, we'll learn something about each other. We sincerely hope we accomplish that mission. The opinions expressed herein are mine alone as a veteran. This program is dedicated to the 18 million veterans and half a million active duty personnel in the U.S. military. We explore the issues which affect these brave women and men, and tonight will be no exception as we report news and community events of interest to the Hudson Valley veterans community. Your Hudson Valley VA update with Don Shaw, director of the Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System. Then we'll chat with Carla Farrell, Community Engagement and Partnerships Coordinator for Suicide Prevention with the Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System, and Matt Healy, Orange County Assistant District Attorney, about the new Orange County Coalition to Prevent Veteran Suicide, a community outreach program spearheaded by Orange County DA David Hubler in concert with the Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System. So how many times have you said to yourself, if only I had done this or said that in a given situation, the outcome might have been different. It might have been merely a petty disagreement or something more serious you feel you could have prevented. Sometimes what we have failed to do is just as important as what we have done. As we embark on a new year, our country is still faced with existential threats it seems almost everywhere you look. You only have to turn on the news, surf the web, glance at your cell phone, or open a paper to understand what they are. The chaos at the southern border, which is essentially open, quote-unquote, despite the narrative of the current administration, and now even a greater risk due to civil war between the drug cartels and the Mexican government. And it's all taking place just across the river. The revelations that once unquestionably trusted government agencies are rife with corruption. Ill-conceived energy policies in the name of the environment, without regard to the degree of complexity and economic impact and unintended consequences required to transform an idealistic green dream into a manageable reality. The breakdown of law and order a growing disrespect for law enforcement officers and elected officials and DAs who are soft on criminals based upon a perverted social justice narrative. Our elected officials who use their positions for personal benefit or ideological gain versus what they were sworn to do. A military establishment which is becoming weaker, enlistments are down, morale is low. Why? Well, perhaps it's because their leadership has become infected with the woke virus and more concerned with correct pronoun usage than discharging their basic responsibilities. Recently, the U.S. has dropped the COVID vaccine mandate, and according to military chiefs, 
of the 3,400 troops who have been involuntarily separated from service for refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine, about 70% have received general discharges. That secures their veterans' benefits and in many cases allows them to rejoin the military if they decide to get vaccinated. Well, that sounds reasonable. However, the following story would seem to refute that claim, and I have to believe there are more cases like this. After seeking multiple exemptions from COVID-19 vaccine, Lieutenant Colonel Brandy King, a reserve officer, a pilot, and a pioneer serving in the Air Force Chief of Staff's new diversity program, was relieved of her duties and has now been issued a disciplinary reprimand that could potentially separate her from the military after almost two decades of service, causing her to lose her pension. Colonel King received orders terminating her at the end of September 2022 after submitting a religious accommodation. King eventually filed a discrimination complaint anyway, arguing that she had been contacted by her superiors on multiple occasions prior to her termination. They told her that seeking a religious exemption could cost her her job. Following the termination of King's orders, she tested positive for an allergy to the ingredients in the COVID-19 vaccine and then submitted a medical exemption. The day after King submitted her medical exemption request, she was told she was denied. The day after receiving the denial, King got a letter of reprimand letting her know that she would be transferred into the non-participating individual ready reserve, which would cost King valuable benefits, including her pension and medical insurance. Now, a couple of months ago, we also recounted the plight of some Navy personnel who were penalized by being placed in substandard living conditions while awaiting adjudication of their religious or medical vaccine exemption requests. Stories like these may explain some of the reasons enlistments and morale are suffering. It's almost like our military leaders have become politicians. Perhaps they have. The list goes on. So the question of the day is, what have we as Americans failed to do? Just because we're not members of the U.S. military does not mean that as U.S. citizens we don't have a duty. It is our duty to understand the basic structure and function of our government the three co-equal branches of our representative republic and how they are supposed to function as checks and balances. It is our duty to think objectively about the news we see and hear and separate the truth from the oft-biased op-ed or soundbite from a news anchor or reporter intent on making the news versus reporting the facts. It's our duty to understand the positions and ideas of those who would like to be elected. Do they make sense, improve our lives, the lives of our children, their children, and our fellow Americans? Simply voting the party line or because we like the way they look, dress, or speak is negligence. We have a duty to let our voices be heard when we do take issue with those we elect, their policies or positions. We have a duty to be active in our local governments, our school boards, to understand what our children are being taught or not taught. Many brave patriots have given their last full measure to establish this nation and defend it. When we enlist, we take an oath to defend what? The Constitution, not the President, not our House or Senate, not our governors or mayors, who, by the way, make the same commitment. And failure to do so is 
dereliction of duty, plain and simple. Recent revelations from social and public media have shown that some of our most trusted institutions are complicit in manipulating us, the American voter, by censoring content, free speech, to affect public opinion, policy, elections, at the behest of special interest groups and some elected officials or political parties. I, for one, have become numb to politicians citing a certain person or an issue as a threat to democracy, or that oldie but goodie, no one is above the law, when in fact many of them are the threat or have their own version of the law. Now it's been said that art imitates life. Recently, I happened to watch a 1988 action movie, coincidentally titled Above the Law. The last line of dialogue by the hero Steven Seagal caught my attention in light of recent events and revelations. It goes like this. Gentlemen, whenever you have a group of individuals who are beyond any investigation, who can manipulate the press, judges, members of Congress, you'll have within our government those who are above the law. Is there anything you've failed to do lately? Now, here is the director of the Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System, Don Shaw, with your latest updates on the VA Today. As we embark on a new year, I want to remind our veterans and their supporters that VA Hudson Valley is here to support veterans' goals for 2023 and beyond. Whole Health is VA's approach to care that supports veterans' health and well-being. Whole Health centers around what matters to you not what is the matter with you. This means our health team will get to know the veterans as a person before working with them to develop a personalized health plan based on their values, needs, and goals. At VA Hudson Valley, we offer several whole health and wellness programs that help veterans take charge of their health and well-being and live their life to the fullest. And as we're starting the year 2023, our theme is New Year, New You. And we are encouraging any veteran who hasn't explored the benefits of VA's whole health program to talk to their provider about attending one of our 90-minute virtual Intro to Whole Health classes where they can learn the basics about how VA can help take charge of their health. Once they've learned the basics, our staff and providers can then use the goals set by veterans as a, as a tool to start a conversation about their health goals and guide them toward the programs and services we offer that will help them reach their goals. And we have many, many offerings designed to help veterans reach their goals. A few examples include meditation, mindful awareness, heart math biofeedback groups, acupuncture, battlefield acupuncture, chiropractic services, aromatherapy, tai chi, yoga, and much more. We're here to help our veterans have the best 2023 possible. 
So please encourage the veterans you love and support to talk to their provider or reach out to our clinical whole health director, Lori Lawton, at 845-831-2000, extension 215673. Again, that's Lori Lawton at 845-831-2000, extension 215673. Thank you. Happy New Year. And help us make this new year a new you in 2023. There are thousands of organizations across the Fruited Plain that are dedicated to doing what our government has failed to do. Now, what failure is that, you ask? Well, of the many failures, it's making sure our veterans receive the benefits they have earned and the help they need in a timely manner. Recently, I was having coffee and ran into Orange County District Attorney David Hoobler, and we chatted a bit about this program, and he asked me to contact one of his ADAs, Matt Healy, to learn more about the newly formed Orange County Coalition to Prevent Veteran Suicide. Well, we did so, and here now is our conversation with Carl Afaro from the Hudson Valley VA Medical System and Matt Healy, an ADA with the Orange County District Attorney's Office. Welcome. Good morning. morning. Thank you for uh, joining us on Radio Catskills Let's Talk Vets. Would you introduce yourself, please? Sure. I'm Matthew Healy. I'm an Assistant District Attorney in Orange County, New York. Okay. Carl Faro. I'm the Community Engagement and Partnership Coordinator at VA Hudson Valley. I'm an Army veteran. Okay. Are you a veteran, Matt? Yes. What? I, I was a paratrooper with the 82nd a few years out of high school, 79 to 82, uh, after Vietnam, before Grenada. We're here in the new year to discuss a, a topic which we have to discuss. It's important. My topic is veterans' suicide. And we're going to talk about some local efforts that are going on in concert with the VA and the Orange County District Attorney's Office. I don't know who would like to take this first one. We'd like to define veteran suicide, more specifically the drivers and the root causes. Carl, you want to? Sure. Thanks, Doug. This is an important topic. I think it's something that's been a huge problem for the past 15, 20 years. So veteran suicide is just like any other suicide. You know, a veteran is a person. They have individual challenges and they reach the point where suicide seems like the best decision for them. And veterans as a group are fundamentally different than non-veterans in a lot of ways. Uh, generally, veterans are older. They're more likely to be men. They're more likely to be white. These are all factors that are related to higher rates of suicide. So veterans baseline are more likely to die by suicide. Then when we add in these specific other factors, like veterans are more likely to have experienced trauma, the challenges of reinventing their lives after they get out of the service, struggles with mental health, substance abuse, employment, challenges like that. How does veteran suicide compare with the suicide levels of the civilian population, same age, demographics, et cetera? Glad you asked that question. Overall, veteran suicide rate is about 50% higher uh, if we look at veterans as a group. But if we look at uh, women veterans, it's much, much higher, unfortunately. Female veterans are rated suicides like three times that of non-veterans. So 
that's often a group that gets overlooked. But overall, veterans complete suicide at a higher rate. When we talk about suicide, we talk about a rate. A suicide rate is number of deaths per 100,000 people per year. Because when we're looking at different groups of people, the like raw number of deaths isn't really comparable because the populations are different size or different consistency. For example, there are about 25% less veterans than there were at the beginning of the century. But if we had roughly the same amount of deaths in a population that's 25% smaller, the looks can be deceiving, which is why we use that rate. So we can compare apples to apples. And the transition from military service to civilian service is a big factor. If you go into the military and you never see combat, but you're a 20-year veteran, and then you come back out, there's an adjustment that has to be made. Now, add to that the trauma and things that you've seen if you went into combat, and that just exponentially amplifies that adjustment. That's, that's true. We see that, particularly the first two years, are this real danger zone in terms of suicide risk. Um, we have men and women that are getting out, you know, having formed their whole adult identity in the military usually with a strong peer group and a strong mission, leaving all of that behind and having to start anew essentially. And one of the challenges with that is that the supports that they have are gone and they have to determine those for themselves. I, I say that a person who has people that they care about and care about them and the reason to get out of bed are very unlikely to complete suicide. So you yank those two supports away, it can be a very risky time. Plus, we look at factors like employment's a challenge often when people get out of the service, which is a risk factor. Getting connected with healthcare is, is often a challenge. There's often like economic disruption and a life stress. It's, I mean, we've all gotten, all three of us have gotten out of the military. It's, I can only speak for myself, it's not as easy as, as it would seem when you're in the service. So it's kind of this big shock too. Right. Are they doing a better job to prepare people before they get out? I would say that, uh, I mean, I got out in 2009, and in 2009 we had this, I think it was like three days, they called it like the transition assistance program, and it was just a lot of it felt like a check the block. Um, part of that, honestly, was because myself, like, was done with the Army and I didn't really want to hear what they had to say. I felt like pretty unprepared myself personally, and I struggled. But now there's a, the military is recognizing that that is a problem that we need to prepare soon-to-be veterans for success. And there's a couple different programs that they do. The new veteran will be contacted several times by the VA or the, over the course of their first year to make sure that they're getting awareness of the benefits. That they're so this is a VA program? I believe it is. And there's also other initiatives. There's a program out of New York called the ETS Sponsorship Program, and it's run out of uh, the VA in, in New York. The idea is that a service member can enroll in this program they get matched with a mentor wherever they're heading to. A guide. Yeah, a guide, yeah. So that when they get to their new community, they get questions answered, they can sort out some of the nuts and bolts about moving to a new community and ideally help them get set up with employment too. It's a really cool uh, initiative. It's, it's relatively new. They're rolling it out across the Army, but there's a big effort coming out of, in Fort Hood in the next, uh, next year. So this is something that right now is New York-centric but will be a national program? Is that what you're... Um, I would want to say that I believe almost anybody can get involved if they can they can go to etssponsorship.com. But the point about it is, yeah. is this something that somebody reaches out when you're separating, I know you're separating, I'm going to try and contact you? Well, or is it incumbent on the veteran to take the first step? No, no, it's incumbent on the veteran to enroll. Okay. The veteran enrolls, he or she, they would get 
register for this program and then a sponsor they can match with a sponsor who lives in the area and that sponsor would connect contact the veteran and say hey you know I'm Carl I live in the area you know what are your needs to help them figure out how to make a smoother transition I mean so one of the constants that we have across the country is veteran service agencies I believe every state and I'm not going to say every sure. county but virtually every county has a veteran service agency and these guys, for want of a better term, are like lawyers, and they know uh, all the I's to dot and the T's to cross when you're dealing with whatever issue it is that you need. Okay, let's start drilling down. Let's talk about the numbers because there's a number being sure. tossed around for years that is um, 22 per day. Is that, a, is that a correct number, Carl? Uh, thanks for illuminating this Doug we we do know 22 a day 22 push-ups 22 veterans we that number came about in the first national report on veteran suicide in 2018 which was based on I think only 27 states of worth of data so they extrapolated it and said it was 22 a day uh, then the next year 2019 they corrected it the more complete data says 20 a day okay and yet in 2020 they revised it again and the number of veterans who die by suicide today is about 17. Okay. And then the other three people are active duty reserve components. So it's tw it's 20 military affiliated or veteran people a day die by suicide and of those 17 are no longer in the service. Now how dependent is that number or those statistics on the ME and their determination? I mean, if they, if they determine that it's something else, then that number's not counted, even though it could have been. You know what I'm saying? It's a great point, Doug. I would say, like, we definitely would want to talk to the medical examiners to figure out how they make that determination. But I mean, is there a standard guideline that is used to determine, say, this is a veteran's suicide? medical examiner would determine cause of death right and if they believe it was suicide but i'm saying how do we compile but, those numbers so how does the va compile those numbers where does that information come from and how do you guys go about it in broad terms um, okay so there is an official registry that that has these numbers that keeps track of these numbers yes is that a government registry i believe it is i believe it's it's likely cdc but i don't so, and so also those numbers would be a few years. Oh, that's another point. Is there always two years delayed? Instantly. Yes. 2020 is the latest data. The other thing was that in, in looking at some of these things where they assigned a higher death toll so that a veteran who involves himself or herself in risky behavior, if they're driving while intoxicated and they have a car wreck and they die in the car wreck, that wouldn't technically be considered a veteran suicide. I would say it always depends on the medical examiner's determination and that's where I was and going. what information they have yeah. available to and, them. At and the and time. suicide is an intentional act. That's the big thing is right. that it's intentional. Right. Um, so there are people that yes, they have they die by methods that people who die by suicide choose also. But without the knowledge of the intention yes. to die, we can't count that. Feel free to. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, that if something like You're that. You're awful quiet down there at the end of the table. Well, the statistics are more the Carl's end of this. Yeah. Okay, so we, we we talked a little bit about the numbers. So, how does New York stack up nationally? I moved here from Colorado, which was a high suicide state, um, and New York 
Fortunately, he's not. Um, Why is Colorado a high suicide state? There's a couple of factors. If we look at suicide as like something that happens in a community, rural communities, period, just have a higher rate of suicide. Okay. Part of that is it's difficult to access health care. Some of it is like very high rates of stigma. There's other challenges in rural communities like employment. Economics tend to be lower. Absolutely. Older population. Gun ownership is higher in rural communities. Okay. And um, I want to make this very clear. The VA is not anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment. The VA is about data. And we know that as a veteran, as, as you guys are veterans, we know that guns work. That 90% of suicides that are attempted with a gun lead to a death versus about 5% of all other methods combined. So if people are using, more people are using guns in suicide attempts, more people will die by suicide. So if we have a thousand people in Colorado making a suicide attempt and say 200 of them are using firearms, those 200 will likely die versus New York where we have 50 people using firearms. It's still a thousand attempts, but they're, they're much less uh, dangerous, yeah. lethal, I guess. So yeah, so New York is one of the lowest suicide rates in the country, okay. actually, like bottom, bottom lowest five. Among veterans, we see that that, that uh, rate is also lower. That nationally, the veteran suicide rate is about 31 deaths per 100,000 veterans per year. In New York, the deaths are about 19. So that's a pretty pretty significant difference. And that also reflects uh, the same as number of, like the civilian death rate versus nationally. So we know that New York just has less suicides, period, and it has less veteran suicides, which is uh, phenomenal. We know that our surrounding states are... Are, are a mixed bag too. New, York, New Jersey has a low rate. Pennsylvania has actually a higher rate of suicide. But if we look at like the Hudson Valley, we look at the city, we look at Long Island, it's a very low suicide area, low burdened area with right, suicide. But if you get into central New York up in these little rural towns and rural communities, the rate would be higher in a more rural community, I guess is generally what we're saying, right? Absolutely. Um, if we look at the map of New York State, with sort of suicide uh, rates, uh, this from Albany all the way over to Erie, I guess, yeah. they, there's this band of very high suicide rates compared to the Hudson Valley, compared to the lower state. Yes. So yes, rural, rural areas in New York also reflect, reflect that trend of higher suicide rates in rural areas. Okay. What is the effect on the numbers when you consider demographics, age, gender, sure. era, theater of operations, and MOS, which is military occupation specialty? Great. Uh, this is a great question, Doug, because we know that different groups have different different risk. And we look at age. We'll just start there. Younger veterans, especially younger male veterans, at a very high risk of suicide, and that risk kind of goes down um, before coming back up at, toward the end of life. Males in general have about like a three to four times more likely to die by suicide. Uh, the same is true in veterans. Um, the, the method that they tr- use to make a suicide attempt. We also know that female veterans are more likely to use firearms, too. We know that era-wise, I, w- I want to say this is complicated because there are different amounts of people in different eras. I can't really speak to say that Vietnam or Iraq are a higher risk. Generally, we think of like older middle-aged veterans are a higher risk. But among our veterans group, young men under, under 30 are the highest risk. Period. Certainly, I mean, in advanced age, medical conditions have to come into that. So, especially if you have a, a serious illness and, you know, perhaps you, you, you've been having trouble getting the benefits that you believe that you have earned. 
it might be more tempting for those folks to say, ah, I'm out of here. And a big part of that, that among the issues you've touched on is that, like the loss of people in their lives that, that matter to them. The loss of a spouse is a huge risk factor for suicide. Also retirement, like that's a loss too. Losing your job, losing your identity. Again, that reason, that purpose for getting out of bed, that, that often disappears when people get older too. So yes, that 75 plus group is a, is a higher rate of suicide too. Certainly the nature of war has changed, plus the length of the war. You know, if you go back over the wars that we were involved in, World War I, the war to end all wars, right? Much like World War II in that there were provocational events. World War II was Pearl Harbor, right? And fast forward to 9-11, but it seems like Korea and Vietnam and certainly, the, you could, one could argue the Gulf War, with the exception of what happened on 9-11, there were few, if any, provocational events that the country would rally behind. I mean, for a short time they did, but then there was, there was no clear goal or exit strategy. How does that play into it? I mean, you look at the Gulf War and how many IEDs were employed and all these new types of warfare meant to do the most destruction that they could to people. And uh, as a result, a lot of guys and, and women came home with these horrific physical disabilities as well. And the things that they saw, the atrocities, sometimes having to kill a, a child because they were strapped with a bomb or something like that. I mean, if, have those changes exacerbated the uh, suicide in younger, veterans and Gulf War people as opposed to other wars before. And actually, I just looked at some of the data this morning uh, looking at suicide rates among them in the military after or during World War I and World War II, Korea and, and Vietnam, and they were all much lower than what we are experiencing now, which to me I think is also a proxy for the su veteran suicide rate. So there is some research that showed that combat exposure and exposure to atrocities is related to suicide, but not necessarily deployments as a whole. Okay. So while there is that narrative that it's the long-standing war in Iraq and Afghanistan that is, is causing soldiers to kill themselves and veterans to kill themselves, it's not necessarily proven to be the case. We know that combat exposure and atrocity exposure is definitely associated with suicide, higher rates, but the deployments alone is a mixed bag. But just the constant stress of being in a military that's deploying, training for deployment, deploying again, is really hard. Right. Repeated deployment. I yeah. mean, it's 20 years, right? It's over 20 yeah, years. Yeah. I've, I've had friends that have deployed five times. Right. More than that. It's a lot. So let's discuss some of the things that are being done to um, help with this problem. Specifically, I want to start with the VA's approach. There's some very specific things that you guys are doing in your outreach programs. The, the VA over the past couple of years has transitioned to from what we call like a clinical suicide prevention approach, which would be the people who come, the veterans who come to us for care, and the veterans who call a crisis line are those that we really focus on for suicide prevention. We've expanded that to include all veterans everywhere, whether they're getting VA care or not, whether they're eligible for VA care or not. We call it a, a community or a public health suicide prevention approach, and a lot of that is taking suicide prevention out of the out of the therapist's office into the community. Um, a big piece of that is that we at the VA... Because veteran suicide is more complex than, than the 
than can be adequately handled in the clinical setting? Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I mean, I, just look at that number 17, uh, veterans die by suicide a day. Of those, only seven go to the VA. 10 veterans die by suicide every day that wow. are not touched by the VA, which is, you know, shocking and, and, and terrible. So the VA has, has acknowledged that we need to expand our work to impact all veterans. Uh, but we also know that suicidal crises are episodic, like they are time limited. And people go and have a crisis and then they make a decision to there's, complete there's suicide. There's a trigger. There's... Yeah, there's something that pops up and it's most often not when they're in a therapist's office. It's when they're around loved ones, it's when they're at a bar, it's when there's all these other times and it's not when they're at the VA. So what we've done is that uh, there's uh, what are called the community engagement and partnership coordinators, which are myself, uh, there's one of us covering almost every county in the country, uh, working out of the VA, different VA hospitals. And our goal is to implement what we call the community-based uh, suicide prevention program. And a big piece of that is partnering with groups in the community to help them deliver uh, interventions that work. And it's a partnership between the VA and the community. And so the community brings a lot of expertise, the VA brings expertise, and we collaborate together on what is going to work in this spot. And that's really what it is, is what is it going to work in Orange County? So which, it's not one, one size fits oh, all. No. When you guys go out, you have to understand the makeup of the community and, and how everybody fits before you can really sit down and say, okay, I think we should do this. Yeah, it's not a program in a box. It's some principles, and it's the community saying, we think we should do this. And then the VA says, well, how can I support you? Or let's work together. It's not the VA does not del come up with a plan and does not deliver the plan. The it's a community's idea because they're the experts in the community and we support their work. Okay. So let's talk about I'll call it creative activities because it it covers a broad spectrum. We know that um, loss of identity is a big problem. Take a kid who was not a high school jock from some little town in any state, USA. They're not destined for college. They have no interest in college. They have no means to go to college. They weren't one of the popular kids. And the United States military does offer them a great opportunity to become something and to get some skills. And maybe if, if money's an issue, maybe the funds to get to college, albeit later. So they go in and they become part of the basic training and you attain rank and you become uh, a responsible individual and your career moves on. Uh, let's say you were field artillery, let's say that was your MOS. And you come back to small town USA when you get out and you start looking for a job, you say, well, what did you do? I know how to fire a howitzer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, we don't have much call for that here. Although somebody pointed out to me that regardless of the MOS, you do learn certain abilities that are universal, leadership, et cetera. That, that becomes a, a, a bit of an issue. One of the things we can do is get people involved with like warrior writer, teaching people how to transform what's in their mind into something on paper or painting or in the case of the Veterans National Center for Reintegration up in Kingston building a boat and in the case of 
the Orange County DA's office in concert with the VA, a, a program which is centered on outdoor sporting. My wife was a nurse for the VA. Okay. She said, oh, we have a new person, which was Carl. Can you call him up and, you know, see if he can do anything for him? So I called up Carl. We started talking. So I said, yeah, come in. We'll uh, do something. So we went in to see the district attorney, David Hoover, and he says, yeah, this is, uh, this is not good. I mean, you hear reports on the radio and the TV news that more veterans are committing suicide than have been killed on the battlefield. And he says, Matt, do anything you can to help this guy. So we started going out to try to talk to people, which has been very difficult because COVID was just on the wane. So our plan was to get in to talk to different groups. And we had some success with that, and we went to a lot of events. And then we went to over 650 businesses, most of them in Orange County, to hand out veteran crisis materials. And almost every group we went to, we went to government agencies, and I really tried to spread it around, hit as many as possible, like pizza parlors, restaurants, bars, sporting goods stores, a little bit of everything, even some kid things, knowing the kids aren't veterans, but their parents or grandparents might be, so that they would see the crisis material. And the other thing we explained to them was the 800 number to call, which is now 988 that they wouldn't turn anyone away. You know, a vet would call and press one, but if anyone was having problems, no one would get turned away. So my boss, David Hoover, was, yeah, this is good. And everybody took our stuff, put it out, and a lot of people made comments, oh, my kid's in the Ranger Battalion, my kid's in the Air Force, my son's a Marine, my daughter's in the Navy. And very, very receptive um, to what we were doing. We want to try to get into outdoor activities with the simple thought being if someone has something to look forward to in life, they're unlikely to kill themselves because they're looking forward to something. Oh, the reason big, to get up. The big yeah. fishing trip's coming. The big golf fountain's coming. But that has been a little difficult to actually set up. We're hoping that the next year that gets a little better. And we went to a lot of events where we met a lot of people, and the response was very positive. And, uh, you know, several other ADAs helped us. Leah Canton went out giving bar coasters away, Alexis Gregory, all kinds of our people. Just, hey, bring this, um, drop this and, off and there. D the DA was at The DA booth. himself, yes. He went to the air show, worked the booth for a while, uh, you know, while we took a break. Well, that's how I ended up getting in touch with you guys. I was having coffee in Port Jervis, and David was sitting at the mm -hmm. next table. <laughs> so we and, got talking. And also Steve Newhouse, the county exec, has been good when yeah. he runs the Freedom Fest, which is the big veterans right. fireworks show. I said to Mr. Newhouse, hey, can we get a table? He goes, done. Hey, can we get a table at the air show? Done. And he set us up and probably over 20,000 people between those two shows. Yeah. And also other groups like the Nom Knights got us into their uh, pork roast picnic and a lot of guys came, and you had some good talks with some yeah. people there. Yeah, so this is a great example of the individualized nature of what community suicide prevention looks like. It's what makes sense in the community that we're at, and what, what does the community want to do? And we saw that there was a huge need for just information about what the uh, suicide prevention crisis line 
and the veterans crisis lines, as Matt said, um, was an 800 number, which is a lot, especially when you're in crisis. And so over the past couple of years, there's been an effort to change it to a three-digit number, like 911. And, and we announce it at the end of every program. Yeah, finally happened, 988, press one for a veteran. And just the more people that know about that, the more people that can use it. And, and at different events, I've had people pull me aside and say, hey, Carl, like, I've used that and it saved my life. So that we know that getting that information out can save lives. And now we're transitioning to what can we as a community do to create opportunities or to leverage opportunities for veterans to have reasons to get out of bed. And that's really what we're working on right now and have that connection. And aside from reason to get out of bed, once they're out of bed and involved in some of these activities, they're meeting other veterans. Yeah. And it's peer to peer. Absolutely. There's a common desire for people on this that have served to, to find each other connect you know at a, at a starting at a minimum about their shared military experience and then they find out that they have a lot of other things in common and develop friendships and the, the way you make friends is by getting to activities where other people are and also just the benefits of physical exercise and creativity the Newburgh Rowing Club is, is part of our group and they started like a veteran kayaking activity where it's the goal of let's have veterans connect with each other do that peer support so, so there's a lot of different ways that that can happen and I think it really speaks to the idea that it's not necessarily the experts that are saving lives, it's everybody. So have you guys actually had, has the coalition actually had some events? Oh yes, like I said, we went to those big events. And no, no, I mean off. some organized uh, hunting trip or fishing We, we trip. have not. Not yet. You have no. not, okay. No. How long have you been? Uh, uh, we've been doing this a little over a year now. A little over a year. Mm -hmm. Like I said, our biggest focus was that we talked to as many groups as possible. Okay. We went to the Washington VFW. VFW. We've been to Black Rock Fishing Game Club to speak not only to them, but the Orange County Federation of Sportsmen. Okay. Like I said, we went to oh. several. We yeah. went to National Night Out. We had 1080As plus Carl. So basically, all of Orange County was covered that night mm -hmm. where we gave out. And you've, you know, you've prices spoken on the task force. Yeah, our first year was really about let's raise awareness about okay. the resources and the problem, and now we've are convening twice a month meetings about what are we going to do as a coalition to to do our own thing because it's especially when when resources are scarce it's easier to get access at the air show or at the veterans picnic or the the freedom fest than it is to to throw our own picnic right so uh ne yeah next next steps are we are as a group are figuring out where where can we have this impact right right so in the spring and summer we could expect to see some sort of an event that you guys have put on to amplify this? What do you think? With any luck, like I said, it's still um, tough to get groups together and all, but, yes. you know, we're working on it. We have a fishing guide in Roscoe who said he would take guys out, but we also got to coordinate that with the VA. Yes. Because with the COVID, and it, it's very hard to move people. And yep. So there's some details to be ironed out, but with any luck, we'll have some success. So how many folks beside you two are involved in this effort? We have a core group of eight that meets this meeting, and we've had several dozen people pitch in in various ways. Okay. So, but right now there's a we call it our steering committee. Okay. That are that are meeting to do some planning. Well, I will be your radio voice at least for as far as we can. Okay. Get it. So WJFF, we are also available on the web. You can listen live from any place in the world. And 
all of my programs and a lot of the programs on the station are transformed into podcasts. Any success stories that you can think of? Either directly related to this or closely related to this that either one of you can share? I think uh, one thing that's a huge success is that we're just in amount of materials we've gotten out and especially getting it out to people places where veterans will intersect with it okay. we've had some great partnerships with sportsmen's clubs with uh, firearms dealers with with uh, outdoor activity stores with um, sporting goods stores just where putting resources in the path of either veterans or the people that love them so that they can raise awareness of this and and, and a big thing is we've gotten out about 5,000 gun locks in Orange County and um, as, as I mentioned earlier, firearms are a very lethal method for, for suicide. They almost always end in a death. And we know that because suicide is a, like a crisis-based event or occurrence, that if you could make it more difficult and take longer for somebody to access the means that they make a suicide attempt with, the less likely they are to do it because they're going to reconsider, they're going to change their mind. Um, and simply putting a gun lock on a firearm has been shown, shown to save lives, period. It's hard to quantify what that is. It's but also it, very sensitive. Absolutely. It's a very sensitive issue, which is, again, I want to repeat that the VA is not uh, anti-gun. We're not, uh, we know that it's very important in the veteran culture, the firearms are. And we're just giving people a tool that they can choose to use or not. We're not pressuring anybody to take them. Um, but it is a very sensitive topic. And I think no one more than gun owners wants gun safety to be, to be yeah. practiced. There's a lot less vets now than when I was a young man or a teenager. And New York State has lost tremendous amount of veterans. A lot of veterans are very old. I mean, World War II veterans now are practically 100 if they're not. Korea's not far behind. Vietnam veterans are now in their 70s. Mm. And the services now don't have the numbers they had when I was in. When I got out of the army, I was 21. And when I went to work for a company, Harry Mackler Real Estate down in the city running commercial real estate, all the bosses in that company were prior Navy men. Most of them were destroyer guys, tin can guys as they call themselves. They didn't look at me as a 21 year old kid. Oh, this kid's just out of the paratroopers. They looked at me like an equal, like I was a man, even though if I had been 21, walked into that company, you know, at that point, they would like, hey, you're a kid. Right. But because I had been in division, oh, this guy's a man. It's hard for veterans to find other veterans now because there aren't as many of us. So I think the mentor helps veterans connect with other veterans. But being in the service will open doors to you. I never took the SAT for college. Right. Because I went to high school at Mount St. Michael in the Bronx. I knew I was going in the service. I didn't bother taking it. So now I get out of the service, and I say, eh, now I want to go to college. I went down to Fordham University, walked in, saw the dean unannounced. You know, still a bad habit I have, right? Yeah. I never make appointments. I just walk in on things. And I told him, bop, 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 you know? And he looked at me, and he said, are you kidding me? I says, no, what do you mean I'm kidding you? He goes, you just got out of the 82nd Airborne, like two weeks ago? And I said, well, I never took the SAT. He says, you don't need the SAT. I'm Forget gonna about you, it. I'm put you in, <laughs> I'm going to put you in provisionally. Yeah. And then I later found out, you know, he had been in the Army. And there you go. So I think veterans will try to help other veterans when they can. 
So it's unfortunate New York is losing veterans not only from passing away, but a lot of people who've left New York have been veterans. And we know people joining the service from New York are not coming back to New York. The other problem in the traditional veterans organizations like the VFW and the American Legion and these people, those numbers and those organizations are diminishing. And as a result, those those organizations are diminishing, right? For, for example, up in Sullivan County used to be a very robust organization called Jewish American Veterans. There's like two guys left. So we could talk about this all day long. Either one of your closing thoughts. Preventing veteran suicide is everybody's business. We all can save lives, and I think we all need to know uh, some of the warning signs and know what to do. It's not just a mental health problem, it's a community problem. Right. And I know from the reception I've received in Orange County, going to all these places, most people were, you know, very positive. You yes. know, that, yes, we'll help you, we'll put out your stuff, no yes. problem. So I think overall it, it will have some good because not only did we make veterans aware of the suicide issue, but also we bumped into several older veterans who signed up for benefits. So we did accomplish some good for sure. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to thank both of you. So people want to get involved in this issue either to maybe as a veteran to take part in one of your activities or get involved or maybe as a volunteer. Um, I just want to emphasize that the coalition exists outside of the VA. It's not part of the VA. It's not run by the VA. So Okay, you just happen to be a VA employee. Yes, it happens yes. to be my job. But, and I'm a member, but the coalition is its own entity. Okay, um, all right. Right now, I would say the best place to start is, if you're interested in learning more, email me, carl, C-A-R-L, dot L-O-F, as in Frank, A-R-O, at va.gov. So okay. carl.lafaro at va.gov. I'll be glad to send you more information about uh, what we're doing. I'll be glad to send you resources if you have a place in your shop that you want to put out some veteran crisis line literature or a sticker, I'd be glad to mail you that. And just to, to hear ideas, too. Um, we're, really, we're really excited about the community's response in Orange County and hope to continue to build on that. Yeah, generally, we use Carl's contact information because he would forward out the material to yes. any group or individual yes. who was interested. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both for uh, joining us on Let's Talk Vets on Radio Catskill. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having Doug. Us. Thanks for having us. Happy New Year. It's time for some news of interest in our Hudson Valley area for our veteran community. Sullivan County's Drug Task Force enters 2023 with new additions to its pillar structure. Each pillar represents a new strategy and focus of the task force. Acting District Attorney Brian Connerty will co-chair the Drug Task Force with Wendy E. Brown, Deputy Commissioner of Health and Human Services, now that former DA Megan Galligan has become a state judge. The law enforcement pillar will continue to be led by Sheriff Michael Schiff and co-chaired by Liberty Police Chief Steve Dagata. 
We are also pleased to announce the formation of a new veterans pillar. They've partnered with three agencies to support efforts to improve outreach to those who have served our country. Membership on this pillar will consist of representation from Sullivan County Veterans Service Agency, Action Toward Independence Vet-to-Vet Program, and the Hudson Valley VA, as well as interested members of the community. The new Veterans Pillar will be led by Ryan Fuller of Sullivan County Vet-to-Vet and Carl Lafaro of the Hudson Valley VA Medical System. The other pillar leads are Medical Provider Pillar, Nicholas Batson, and Heather Ginnon-Clark. The Prevention Pillar, Joel Herbert Simon and Don Welkin. United Sullivan Pillar, John Little and Martin Calavito. The Policy Reform Pillar, Aileen Gunther and Judy Balaban. The Treatment Program Pillar, Melissa Stickle. And the Perinatal Care Pillar will be Karen Holden and Jana Walter. Finally, the Data Pillar will be Lauren Green and the future Sullivan County Commissioner of Public Safety when hired. And Dutchess County Vet-to-Vet Veteran Support Group will meet January through March, 3 to 4 p.m. on January 11th and 25th, February 8th and 22nd, March 8th and 22nd. All meetings are at 1335 Route 44, Pleasant Valley, New York. Well, there'll be a Gettysburg Battlefield bus trip sponsored by the Kingston Veterans Association. It's a three-day event on Tuesday, May 2nd through Thursday, May 4th. Participants will visit the Gettysburg Battlefield Information Center for a short film and to tour that museum. A guided tour of the Gettysburg Battlefield follows. And for further information, you can call or text Bill Forte at 845-399-0414 or email Woogman. 2001 at yahoo.com. Saugerties VFW Post 5034 will host the Snow Moon All You Can Eat Breakfast Buffet. That'll be Sunday, February 5th, 8 to 11.30. Ages 12 and up are $12. Ages 7 through 11, $10. And children 6 and under are free. Takeouts will be available. American Legion Post is located at 30 John Street in Saugerties. You can call them at 845-706-8083. Well, our thanks tonight to Carla Farrell, Community Engagement and Partnerships Coordinator for Suicide Prevention, Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System. And Matt Healy, Orange County Assistant District Attorney. David Hubler, Orange County DA. Don Shaw, Director of the Hudson Valley VA Healthcare System. And area veteran service agencies and vet-to-vet that keep us on top of area events. And to you for joining us once again. And please share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so we may get them on the air. Drop me an email at vets at wjffradio.org. If you or someone you know is experiencing anxiety or just needs to speak to someone, 
Here are some numbers to remember. The Veterans Crisis Line now has been simplified. It's 988. Press 1 to speak with someone. Send a text message to 838-255 to connect with a VA responder. Or you can start a confidential online chat session at Veterans Crisis Line, one word, dot net slash chat. And don't forget, Let's Talk Vets is now widely available as a podcast. And until our next formation, thank you for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. Sat cross-legged on the sidewalk A far-off look was in his eyes In his hands He held a piece of cardboard As everyone walked by The sign read USMC Veteran I'm not myself, please pray for me So I stopped and said you fought to save my freedom What can I do, what do you need? He said, I'd like to shower off these painful memories Get a shave and a pair of new jeans A meal I don't have to Find a place to let my guard down The real bed instead